Acts chapter 8, this reading that we had concerning the encounter of Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. We are becoming travelers this evening, and we're making a journey, and our journey commences, it says here at the end of verse 26, which is desert. Our journey commences in the desert. But I want you to notice where it ends. Verse 36. Behold, here is water. Starts in the desert. It ends at the waters. It's a journey from the desert to the waters. That has to be noted. It's a blessed journey. It's a journey that every sinner has to make. From the wilderness of sin to living waters. Christ. So we're going to enter into this story and become part of this journey in the chariot. We're going to meet a blessed man in the chariot. The Holy Spirit, I believe, wants us to do that. He wants us to join the chariot tonight because you see that the story's in the Bible. The Bible's for us and everything that's in the Bible is for us. And if the chariot was closed and if the chariot was private and if it wasn't for us, It wouldn't be in the Bible. But it's in the Bible because we can join the chariot too. We can have a similar encounter with Christ in the Word of God. And so we're we're getting up into the chariot tonight with an Ethiopian eunuch in it. And we're all invited in. Verse 29, Then said the Spirit unto Philip, Go near, join thyself to this chariot. So the Spirit says, Join yourself to the chariot. The church is interested in Philip. The church is interested in the work that the Spirit of God does. And so we're invited as well. That's why it's in the Bible. The Spirit's invading us too. So let the Spirit lead us and guide us as we receive his invitation to join ourselves to the chariot. So there's a call from the Spirit and we obey that call. And then look at verse 31. There's an invitation. He desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. So the Ethiopian desires it as well, that he'd come up and sit with him. And so we're invited. We're going up. We're going to sit with the Ethiopian. There's seats in the chariot. It's a grand chariot, you know. He's the minister of finance from Ethiopia. He didn't go in some little chariot. He's sitting reading the word of God. There's plenty of seats. He invites Philip up. And there they sit together around the word of God. But they soon go on their journey together to the waters of baptism. See, here waters. And then the Ethiopian gets baptized. I said we're going to speak about a blessed man tonight. It's not Philip. Now, Philip is a blessed man, of course. He's the evangelist. He knows the Lord. He has a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's under the guidance and influence of the Holy Spirit. He is a blessed man. But we're going up to join with him this Ethiopian eunuch. And I'm suggesting to you he's blessed too because he's an object of grace. And God's going is doing something wonderful in his life. He's blessed. Because everyone that God does a wonderful thing in their life is blessed. So we're joining a blessed man. And we're going to look at him and to see him and think about him. Now while I said this is a blessed man, Initially, when you look at the story and you take account of the story, 
It doesn't look like he's blessed. It isn't looking good initially. And that for several reasons. First of all, it's a desert scene. This is a man in the desert. And when you meet men in the desert, it usually has a, a kind of a negative connotation in the scriptures. The desert is a place void of grace and void of life. The desert is a place that is barren and fruitless. The desert is a place of wildness and wilderness. The desert is a place of wild beasts, fruitlessness, lack of water and moisture, burning, scorching heat. The desert is a place of foul spirits, of unclean spirits. It is the place where Satan seems to have the mastery. You remember it was in the desert that there he comes and meets Jesus and encounters him in all his satanic power. Then the desert. It's in the desert that the people of God tempted God, where Satan tempted Christ. And here Philip, he's, he's left a busy ministry. He's left you know, preaching the gospel around the villages. And he's brought into the desert. And he must be wondering why. Have I done something to displease the Lord? Is the Lord angry with me? That he's brought me into the wilderness? That he's brought me into the desert? Maybe he's thinking what have I done? What have I done wrong? How have I grieved the Lord? That I'm being sent into the desert? Maybe he's thinking along those lines. But probably not. He probably trusts God and he knows God has a plan. God has a purpose. And he does. Whenever God brings you into the desert, he has a purpose. He has some plan. Maybe you end up in a hospital bed and that's like being in the desert and you can't do your usual thing and you know you're laid aside and you're lonely and you feel so useless and nothing you can do for God. And you maybe think, what have you done to displease the Lord? And why are you being chastened? But the Lord has brought you aside for a purpose. Maybe there's an Ethiopian. Maybe there's some soul in that place, in that hospital. Some soul in that desert place where you are being brought and led. So God has a plan and we can always trust him. No matter where he brings us. No matter how bleak the place may look. So trust God. Even if he should bring you into a desert place. And Philip, I believe, is doing that. He's led by the Lord. But as I say, for the Ethiopian, it doesn't look good. But then I'm sure Philip's encouraged himself with the promises. Especially in that book that the Ethiopian's reading. Because that book says so much about the desert. So much about the wilderness. So much about barrenness. So much about the place that has no water. And the promises that water will come. Isn't that what the Bible says? Isaiah 35. The wilderness, the solitary place shall be glad for them. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose. Maybe Philip's thinking of that as he goes down to the desert. The desert place will rejoice. The Lord's bringing me here. The gospel must have to come here. The rivers must be going to flow through Gaza. And so he's encouraging himself, no doubt, with the promises in the desert place. Isaiah 41, I plant in the wilderness the cedar, the shitter tree, the myrtle and the oil tree. I will set in the desert the fir tree and the pine and the box tree together. There's the promises of the gospel coming to the desert. There's the, the promise of fruitful trees, wonderful trees, trees 
bursting with oil, trees bursting with fruit in the desert. That's what God promises. And when God says all of this thing in Isaiah, he's talking about the gospel coming to the Gentiles. The the gospel coming to the barren. That's what Isaiah's promises are all about. No, this is what Christ is bringing. Rivers in the desert. Grace in the desert. Grace in the wilderness. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I'll even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And that's what we're going to see. See, here are waters. There's waters in the desert. And this eunuch's coming to the waters. This man, he doesn't know it yet, but he's on the way to the waters in the desert. Salvation waters in the desert. Meeting Christ. Getting into the waters of baptism, which pictures and represents and portrays all that he has in Jesus Christ. In the desert. The cleansing, sanctifying waters of the gospel. And so whenever Isaiah talks of all these waters in the desert, he's speaking of Christ and the salvation to the Gentiles. And that's what this eunuch is. The Gentile in the desert. So that's why it's in the book of the Acts. It's showing Christ is doing that. He's bringing the waters. The book of the Acts is about the spread of the gospel throughout all the world from Jerusalem. The waters going out from Christ's side, the pouring out of the Spirit, and then the gospel going out in all the nations. And this man's bringing the gospel waters down to Africa. In the desert. So that's, that's the first thing that indicates maybe it's not looking good. It's in the desert place. But then we're told something else about himself. In verse 27, what does it say there? A man of Ethiopia, an eunuch. Not only is he in a desert, he's a desert. He's a eunuch. He has deadness in his body. He has wilderness in his body. He has barrenness in his body. Not not only as a Gentile, but as a eunuch. Now the Holy Spirit doesn't have to emphasize that. He doesn't have to tell us he's a eunuch. Why would he tell us that? Unless there's a reason. Unless there's something symbolic about it. Something important. After all, it's kind of hard to explain to the children what a eunuch is. It's not something you really want to talk about. But here he is. The Holy Spirit is saying it. This is a eunuch in the desert. This is one who is dead within him. This is one who has no fruitfulness, nor can have fruitfulness according to nature. This is one who is having symbolism of a barren spiritual condition. He's like the desert itself, without life. Being a eunuch, he doesn't appear blessed. He doesn't appear to have the blessedness of fruitfulness. But the perpetual barrenness dead and dry. But God has an eye on him. God is going to bring life to him. God is going to bring the waters to him and him to the waters. To the living waters. I think this man, he's reading Isaiah 53 as we know, but 
he has the whole book of Isaiah, the whole scroll of Isaiah, and I, I no doubt that he's reading on. And after Isaiah 53, and he goes on his journey, he would soon come to Isaiah 56. Neither let the son of the stranger that have joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord hath utterly separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. Don't let the eunuch say it. Because Jesus Christ brings us the rivers of life. He brings us the blessings of salvation. He brings us life eternal. So not even the eunuch can say, I'm a dry tree. This is what Isaiah says. Even unto them will I give in mine house and within my walls these eunuchs a place and a name better than of sons and daughters. And I'll give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. So it, it, looks, it doesn't look good, but then the promises of the gospel says, I'll make him a fruitful tree. I'll take away his barrenness and dryness. I'll give him a place in my house. I'll give him a place amongst my people. I'll make him blessed. And I'll give him a name. And that eunuch must have been so encouraged as he went on reading in Isaiah 56. He's blessed. And the grace of God blesses him. And then think about this also. The Ethiopian has his back to Jerusalem because he's coming away from Jerusalem. He's coming away from the temple. And he's making his way back again to Ethiopia, back to Africa, back to the darkness of Africa. And I can hear the Jews thinking in themselves, if he didn't get salvation in Jerusalem, he'll not get it in the desert. If he didn't get salvation in the house of God, if he's in darkness and lifelessness and barrenness while he's at the temple... It's not going to change when he goes away from the temple and has the temple behind his back and he's making his way back down into Africa. It doesn't look good for him with the temple and Jerusalem behind his back. He doesn't look blessed. He's going away as confused as ever. He's going away as much in the dark as ever. He's going away as much dry and barren as ever from the temple. It's not looking good. He's going away from the purification rituals that are there. He's going away from the ceremony of cleansing that that is there. And the refreshing ritual life that is there. He's going away from all of that, none the better. And he doesn't go back. But he goes on. But the thing is, the waters reach him. The grace reaches him. The salvation reaches him. You see, we don't have to go to Jerusalem anymore for salvation and to meet the Lord and to know God. That's what the Jew says. You need, you need the temple. You have to go back to the temple. You're nothing about out the temple. We have to have the temple built again. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that the grace of God and the salvation waters goes out from Jerusalem, who was Christ crucified there, and when the Spirit of God came down, and the waters go out, and they go out to sinners. And they reach sinners in all different parts of the world. Nobody has to go to Jerusalem. The waters of salvation come from Jerusalem. From Christ reaching out to sinners. So he doesn't have to go back. Christ is coming to him in the wilderness. So because it's back to Jerusalem doesn't mean that he's not blessed. He is blessed. And the grace of God is pursuing him. 
And the Jews, they'll say, well, he'll have to go back because, you see, that's where the presence of God is and that's where the water comes from, from the presence of God, according to Ezekiel's prophecy. Remember Ezekiel 47? The waters come out from the threshold. They go by the altar. They go out through the door and they make their, the, the waters to make their way down into the desert and into the wilderness. So you have to go back to Jerusalem. No, you don't. Those waters make their way out into the desert places, bringing Christ, Christ to sinners. You see, Christ is a temple. He's a temple. Remember whenever all the water ceremony was being carried out in the temple, you remember the Lord Jesus said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And out of his belly will flow rivers of living waters. Christ is the temple. He's the temple of God. God in flesh, the walking temple. And from him, the waters of life flow out to sinners. So we don't need a temple at Jerusalem. Christ is the fulfillment of all that the temple was meant to be. And so the eunuch finds that Christ comes to him in grace. In the desert. And those waters flowed when Christ was crucified. That's why John is always careful to tell us there wasn't only the blood came out, there was the water too. Water is a very important commodity in the Gospel of John. Note it every time you read it. It has symbolic significance. Another thing that doesn't seem to indicate blessedness is that he's in the dark. He has a Bible, it is true. The prophecy of Isaiah, he's reading it too. But Philip asked him a question, verse 30. Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, how can I? He doesn't understand. And he's reading Isaiah 53, as we saw. And who is the prophet speaking about? Is he speaking about himself? Is he talking about some other man? He doesn't understand. He's in darkness. So he doesn't appear blessed on the service. Not having understanding of the Bible. You know, it's good to give the Bible to people, but we have to also remember too that they won't really get much from it because they don't understand it. They're in darkness. They're blinded. They're dead in sin. How can they understand it? You can only understand the Bible with spiritual understanding. Or a spiritual man preach it and proclaim it and open it up and the Spirit of God working and illuminating the mind of sinners. So yes, while it is good to get people to read the Bible, we do have to pray that the Holy Spirit will illuminate their minds and bring them to the understanding of it. So he's in darkness still. But God has set his love on him. And God is going to be gracious to him. And God is going to work in him. Now let's just see what God is doing for this barren man in the desert, in the darkness, with his back to Jerusalem. Well, for a start, God surrounds him. That's how the story is told. God enfolds him in the desert. God surrounds him. God closes in on him because God has set his love upon him. You see this in, in many ways because he's on a journey, but God enters into his journey. That's what happens when a man gets saved. He's on the journey through life. God enters into this journey and meets him. And there's a change. 
And if a man on the journey of life is to be saved, God has to join that man's journey and get up into the chariot with him. So there has to be an encounter with God for the sinner. And the remarkable thing, this story is filled with the activity of God. You have it there at the start, verse 26. The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, go to the desert. God is moving Philip. God is directing Philip. God is going to join this journey with Philip for this Ethiopian eunuch. So God unfolds the story. And then at the end of the story, what happens? The Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. You see how it's enclosed? God brings Philip in through an angel. Then God takes Philip away by the Spirit. Because God is in the story. It's not just Philip getting into the chariot. It's the Lord Jesus Christ getting into the chariot with Philip. In fact, the Lord Jesus Christ is already in that chariot with the Enoch when he has Isaiah 53. He has Christ when he has Isaiah 53. Christ is present in his word in that chariot. He's blessed. Because God has set his love upon him to enfold him. And he's blessed because the Holy Spirit is working around his life. Do you see how the Spirit is mentioned in regard to this? You have it there in verse 29. The Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. A blessed man, when he has the Holy Spirit directing things for his salvation... The Spirit said, the Spirit's not an energy. Some people say that the Spirit, that's just a force. That's just the power of God. Well, can a force talk? Can a force direct? Can a force lead and guide? Though the Spirit is a sacred, holy person, without whom none of us could ever be saved, the Spirit said. So this man has the Spirit in his life, working, leading around him. And then the Spirit takes Philip away. So the Spirit of God is present. And he's blessed also because even the angels are present. Even the angels are surrounding him because it says there that it was an angel of the Lord that said to Philip, the angels are there for this eunuch. That's an amazing thing. He's blessed, you see, because he has angels in his life. The angels are are them who are sent forth to be the ministers for them who are the heirs of salvation. Every heir of salvation has ministers working around his life. Angelic ministers working around his life. And there were angels working in your life before you were saved. And there are still angels working. It's all hidden from you. But they're present. They're laboring. They're working. And there are blessed people who have the angels ministering somehow unto them in life and in death, carrying them into the presence of God. The angel of the Lord encampeth about the God-fearing and delivers them many times as well. And so this, this eunuch, dry and barren and in the desert with the temple behind his back and dark understanding of the scriptures, but he has angels working around him. And he's blessed because he has the Bible. 
He has the book of Isaiah the prophet and he reads it too. And he's got to Isaiah 53. He seems drawn like a magnet to that chapter and he's reading it. And it's not the first time he reads it either. I'm sure he's read it many times. There's something about it that's drawing him. The Lord has blessed him with the Bible. The Lord has blessed him with a desire to read the Bible. The Lord has blessed him to have some kind of a seeking heart to know To know what the prophet means. There's something important here that the prophet is talking about. Wounded for transgression. Bruised for iniquity. There's something here. A lamb slain. A lamb slaughtered in silence. There's something here. But he can't comprehend it. But he's reading and searching. And and you notice that he's, he's reading out loud. Because what does it say there in in verse 30? It says that Philip heard him read. You see, they didn't read silently in ancient times. That's only a new thing you know, reading silently. Medieval times and generations before that, everybody read out loud. Because they wanted to make the words part of their being. And to make it part of your being, you have to open your mouth. You have to hear it. You have to speak it. Not just observe it. You have to drink it in. Eat it in. Use all the senses to get the word dwelling in you richly. And so I encourage the loud reading of scriptures or the audible reading of scriptures and the listening to them and the speaking them to make it part of your humanity, your, your soul. And this is what this man is doing. He wants to get the word of God into him. And Philip is hearing him. And as he hears him, he knows that he doesn't understand. Do you understand what you're reading? And so he's blessed in that he is doing that. He's reading. And you know, whenever we read the Bible earnestly and sincerely, even though we don't understand it, if we really earnestly read it and sincerely, God won't leave us alone in a reading of it. Bless his name. If you read the Bible at home and you don't understand it, but you're earnest and you're sincere and you're wanting to have an encounter with God and His Word, as we all should want to do so, God won't leave you alone. He'll come up and sit with you, some way or other, and He'll give you understanding and He'll help you. And He'll bring the Word to you with power. So keep on reading. Be like the Ethiopian eunuch. So He's blessed. Because he's a seeking soul. Searching the scriptures. And he's blessed because he has a God sent man. Imagine God raising up a man. And sending him to him. I think that's wonderful. You know Philip is so busy. He's seen revival in Samaria. And God says go down to the desert. There's one man there I need you. I think that's amazing. He's so blessed. He's his own expositor of the word. And the chariot with him. He hears Christ. He preached unto him Jesus. He's blessed. You're blessed when you have a man of God who preaches unto you Jesus. And so Isaiah 53 is is open to him. And he gets understanding. And then he has faith in the Son of God. I believe that Jesus Christ, remember when these two names come together, there's something important. There's some great confession being made. Something fundamental. Something central to salvation. I believe that Jesus Christ 
is the Son of God. He's blessed. If you can really say that with all your heart, with true faith and sincerity, with all your heart, you have saving faith. In Christ, you're blessed. Blessed are all they that trust in him, the Bible says. And this man has been brought to put his trust in the Son of God. He is blessed. And he's blessed because he becomes an instrument of bringing the gospel waters further on down into Ethiopia and into the royal palace. You know, tradition tells us quite a bit about this man. We even know his name. We know that the queen, Candace, was converted. And many people were converted in Ethiopia. And churches were established in the land. Now, the Acts of the Apostles doesn't follow him and go down there to show us that. The Holy Spirit chooses to show us the gospel in Europe. Bless his name. But he's doing somewhere in Africa. And Africa has a great tradition of Christianity in the continent. Because the Acts of the Apostles, Luke starts it off, all that Jesus began to do, that's what my Gospel of Luke is. And he's implying that his book of the Acts is all that Jesus continues to do. Now, by his Spirit. And what is he doing? He's bringing the Gospel to Rome. And he's bringing the Gospel to Africa. And this man is part of that story. He becomes a martyr in Africa. He's used of God. And the streams of these waters continue throughout the world. And they've reached us tonight. We have the waters of salvation in Jesus Christ. We have cleansing. We have forgiveness of sins. We have the Son of God preached unto us. We have the same Isaiah chapter 53. We have the same message. The same proclamation of this glorious person, Jesus Christ. And we can have the same faith in the Son of God. And the same salvation. So this is our brother, this eunuch. As Philip is as well. So child of God, this is your story too, isn't it? Because you were in the desert and you were in darkness. And your back was to heaven. But Christ brought the gospel waters to you. And you believed. Aren't you rejoicing that you have this salvation in Jesus Christ? You're blessed with faithful Abraham and you're blessed with this eunuch. And brethren and sisters, Christ is still saving. So don't despair. Pray for souls. For his gospel waters to continue flowing into the desert places. Isn't this a desert place? It is. But we don't have to despair. We can't save the people. But Christ can. And does. Even Ethiopian eunuchs. Even people who've mutilated their bodies. Even people who've taken away the organs of life. Even they can be saved. Even they can be brought to faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, they can. This is what Christ does. He saveth sinners. Have you made this journey? Have you left the wilderness of sin? Have you come to Christ? 
and be brought to the waters of baptism. Bless his name. If you haven't, you need to come to Christ. You need to believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So may you do so even this night. That's the thing about this Ethiopian eunuch. He didn't debate and spend weeks and months about the matter. Here's water. Here it is. What hinders me to be baptized? Straight away, without delay. He came straight away, without delay. May you do so too, sinner.